You're listening to the Adult Explore the Bible Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead a Bible study group using LifeWay's Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we review the Bible passage for that week's study, examine some questions teachers may face, and give some teaching tips along the way. I'm Dwayne McCreary, your host, and I'm also the leader of the Adult Explore the Bible team. Today, I'm joined by David Briscoe. He's the content editor for the Adult Commentary for Explore the Bible, and we're going to be looking at session two for the fall 2020 study of Isaiah. David, thank you for being with us today. Glad to be with you. You were with us last week, and you're joining us again. Uh, We're going to be looking at Isaiah chapter six, verses one through 13, which is the call of Isaiah. Uh, Let me just walk through the passage. We've got four passage uh, key points here, four outline breaks. Those outline breaks are God's glory, God's forgiveness, God's call, and God's persistence. We begin with verses one through four, which is God's glory. In these passages, these verses, uh, Isaiah described the scene of heaven revealed to him in a vision while in the temple. God's throne was encircled by angels declaring his holiness and a sound that shook the foundations of the temple. In verses five through seven, we find God's forgiveness. At the sight of God's throne, Isaiah became aware of his sin and unworthiness to be in the presence of God. He professed his unworthiness, and God forgave him based on that profession. In verses 8 through 10, we see God's call. In these verses, God posed a question, asking who was willing to go on mission on God's behalf. Isaiah volunteered, and God revealed to the prophet that most people would not heed his message. In verses 11 through 13, we find God's persistence. Isaiah asked God how long he was to deliver God's message to people who were unwilling to repent. God directed Isaiah to deliver the message until God's judgment was complete. God did not leave the prophet hopeless, pointing to a remnant who would return to God at some point in the future. So that's a quick look at verses 1 through 13 here of Isaiah 6, probably one of the more common passages that we would study in Isaiah. Uh, Obviously, we'll study some more Isaiah 53 and some other passages, Uh, but this is probably one of those passages that when you think of Isaiah, this is on the list. It's got to be included in the study. So David, let's just think through some of this. Is there anything else comparable to what happens here in Isaiah 6 in, in Scripture elsewhere? Um, well, is yeah, this the norm or, you know, yeah. what, what, how should we, how should we approach this? I uh, don't know if I'd call it the norm, but, but certainly there <laughs> are some, uh, some other uh, incidences that are, are found in scripture. Uh, and by the way, that, that'd be a really good uh, kind of a side study, uh, not only for the, for the leader of a group, but uh, I, I would say even for uh, all the participants in a group. Uh, but let me just give uh, several of them because there there's some in the Old Testament and New Testament. Uh, but just think, for example, in, in Exodus 33, verse 12 through 34, 9, is where Moses, uh, on Mount Sinai, uh, pleads to see God's glory because he he wanted some affirmation that God was going to be with him and be with the people as they moved beyond this incident where the people uh, had worshiped the golden calf idol and uh, Moses had, had gone, come back down the mountain and uh, had uh, uh, punished those who had rebelled in that way. 
but now Moses is pleading to see God's glory. And as we know from that account that the Lord uh, placed him in the crevice of, the, of a rock and his glory passed by Moses and Moses was able to see that. Uh, so that, that's one place. And then in, in 1 Kings 18 and 19, we have the prophet Elijah. And of course, in 18, Elijah is on Mount Carmel. He is facing down uh, hundreds and hundreds of prophets of Baal and challenging them. And he's, he's there by himself as uh, the prophet of the Lord. And so he challenges those uh, prophets of Baal to uh, call on their uh, the Baal God and to uh, you know bring fire down to consume a sacrifice and uh, of course they they can't do that and and uh, so then uh, Elijah uh, stands forth and calls for the fire of God to come and consume this um, offering and it does and so that the glory of the Lord is is shown there but then in 19 <laughs> interestingly in chapter 19 of first Kings Elijah gets gets a hit put on him uh, Queen Jezebel puts out a hit on Elijah and Elijah flees and he flees where he flees to Mount Horeb which by the way is Mount Sinai it's the same place where Moses saw the glory of the Lord and the fire coming down to consume the sacrifice. Well, here is Elijah on Mount Horeb, and it describes Elijah as, as coming out of this cave and seeing a fire with the Lord not being in the fire, and this great wind with the Lord not being in the wind, and then this earthquake with the Lord not being in the earthquake, but then just the still small voice. And that's so interesting because it says to me that the glory of the Lord does not necessarily have to come to us. Or we, we, we're not necessarily going to become aware of the uh, Lord's glory every time in this flashy flames, but sometimes just that still small voice of God. We, 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 we kind of fall into that category as like Naaman did later on where he wanted to be healed and, you know, wanted to come out and see some special thing. And all he was told was go, go wash your, go wash, <laughs> go wash some water. Yeah. The, uh, That's not exciting. Well, I mean, I, you know, uh, uh, I want something, where's the big, the big thing. And you kind of feel that here in that sense, I think. There's also a, a great uh, event in, in Ezekiel one. Now, this, this takes place, I think uh, in a, in a dream, but it's a vision. And so it, it's where Ezekiel is given this vision of the Lord's glory. And, and here's the way he describes it. There was a brilliant light all around him that is the Lord. The appearance was like that of a rainbow in a cloud on a rainy day. This was the appearance of the likeness of the Lord's glory when I saw it. And then Ezekiel said, I fell face down and heard a voice speaking. So, you know, a rainbow in a cloud on a rainy day. Uh, and yet it is such that it, uh, Ezekiel sees it as the glory of the Lord and it causes him to fall face down. He just responds in that way. Then let's, let's move to the New Testament. You've got uh, the Pharisee Saul, who is on his way to Damascus persecuting Christians. 
wanting to arrest them, execute them, and he sees on the way this blinding light from heaven. But in the midst of that, he hears the voice of the risen Christ. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? That experience of the Lord's glory there changed, I mean, absolutely radically changed Saul's life. Paul becoming Paul, the the great missionary apostle. And then, of course, uh, maybe we're familiar with the vision in Revelation 4, where the apostle John on the island of Patmos saw this vision of heaven's throne, which interestingly is is very similar to uh, the vision of the Lord's glory that Isaiah saw that we're looking at in Isaiah 6. So the apostle John, you know, hundreds of years later on the island of Patmos, seeing this vision of heaven's throne room and the Lord sitting on his throne. So uh, yeah, there are other glimpses of God's glory, but I would just uh, remind that, that really the common elements that we see in all of those uh, are that they, those usually come at times of great crisis or uncertainty, but it's not generated by the individual. In other words, whether the Lord is going to reveal and show his glory, it's the Lord's initiative there. It's his choices. We're, we're not going to be able to, uh, you know, at will say, okay, God, let me see your glory. We can be reminded that that's what Moses asked for uh, in when he was on Mount Sinai. But the Lord, it was the Lord's initiative to say, well, all right, I'll put you in this cleft of this rock and I'll pass my glory before you. You won't be able to see me because people couldn't see the fullness of God's glory and live. But he does show us, uh, especially at times of, of crisis and uncertainty, uh, he is he generously, graciously gives us an awareness of his presence and his glory. Passages that you noted here were Exodus 33 and 34, part of 34, right. second, uh, 1 Kings, not 2 Kings, 1 Kings 18 and 19, right. Ezekiel 1, right. um, Paul's conversion, which is Acts 9, and right. then uh, the Patmos uh, experience uh, with John in Revelation 4. Revelation four, especially. So one thing, one thing that a teacher might do is they could take these one through these five verses, five passages, really assign them to one or five different people and let them bring a report to the group. Let me tell you what I found here. And then they compare that to what's found here in Isaiah six. That'd be one thing you could do to, uh, to kind of help bring all that together. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And and I think it, it would certainly bring out the fact that, you know, that while there are common elements to all of these uh, aware, these incidents of, of being aware of the Lord's glory, they're, they're not the same. It's a still small voice. It's a, a rainbow in a cloud on a rainy day. Uh, you know, it's the, the a bright light, light on an empty heaven. road. <laughs> exactly. So you know, when you when you think about ourselves and and might we receive this awareness of the Lord's glory? Well. Yeah, I think we could. Uh, and I think the Lord is gracious at times in giving us this intimate awareness of his presence. But it, it's, his, it's his initiative. It's not something we can conjure up. David, we see seraphim 
in this passage. And this is a rabbit that we could end up going down, uh, you know, how seraphim are presented in the Bible, which, you know, let, let's think about that just for a minute. How are seraphim presented in the Bible? But the second thing, thing for us to think about as teachers is how do we keep that from becoming the central thing that our group wants to talk about? I think, first of all, let's, let's make the point that this is the only place in scripture where seraphim are presented. And so just the, the meaning of the word itself, uh, whenever you see a, a word, an English word that ends in I am in the Old Testament, uh, the Hebrew word behind that normally is going to be a, a plural noun. So seraphim is plural of seraph. And that word, uh, the verb form of that word just simply means to burn Literally, seraphim are burning ones, flaming ones. Uh, usually, we, we look at these as angelic beings. They are beings that God created. They serve him. And that's the picture that Isaiah gives when he saw these flaming seraphim uh, around the Lord on his throne. Uh, they each had three pairs of wings. Uh, but rather than the visual there, Isaiah was talking more about functionality. So one pair of the wings, the seraphim flew, but then two pairs were used to cover parts of uh, the seraphim's body, if you will. Uh, and their, but their function was to proclaim powerfully the Lord's glory. In other words, they were in the very presence of the Lord, you know, something that Moses wanted to experience, something that every time those, those examples that we showed in the Old and New Testament, whenever even a glimpse of God's glory, uh, when a person received a glimpse of God's glory, it just, it drove them to their knees, to their faces, uh, to be humble about it, to be in awe. And so here these seraphim are continually in awe of the Lord. The other place where in this uh, chapter where a seraph is uh, functioning is in chapter 6, verse 6, where one of the seraphim then, uh, after Isaiah has confessed the sinfulness and the sinfulness of the people that he dwells among, one of the seraphim, takes a coal from the altar and uh, touches it to Isaiah's lips. And that is an act of purification uh, because that's, that's the sin that Isaiah was, was confessing. Woe is me, I'm ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips. He touches Isaiah's lips with this coal off the altar and it cleanses, it refines, it purges. So it's a picture of forgiveness and preparation for service. And now, in, in terms of how do we keep this from being the central focus of the group's discussion, I, I would say that if a leader will just remember that in this whole vision, it's, it's not the seraphim that are the focus, it's the Lord, the Lord on his throne. And so... Uh, <laughs> They're praising God, not praising Isaiah or exactly, praising themselves. For themselves. Uh, so I would say just a just a quick reminder: if if it begins to veer off into the uh, fantastical to to describe these these beings, I would I would say the leader can simply remind folks that you know look they are, they are part of the background. They're 
they're important. They worship the Lord. They um, declare his holiness. But the focus of the vision is on the Lord himself. The Lord is on his throne. And it's, it's good to remember that Isaiah was seeing this vision, as it says in, in 6 verse 1, in the year that King Uzziah died. That was about 740 B.C. And Uzziah had been reigning in Judah for 52 years, I believe it was, more than 50 years. Was it, and had, had, had prospered. The, the country had prospered underneath had this prospered. He was He was a righteous king. Uh, he, he had his faults, but overall he had done what was right in the eyes of the Lord, and, and now he, was, he had died. And so it was a time of, of uncertainty and transition. Uh, and so this is the context in which Isaiah sees that, okay, your king is now gone. He has died. But guess what? The Lord hasn't gone anywhere. The Lord is on his throne. And so that's the focus of the vision. And the seraphim are just really part of the background of that painting, uh, so to speak. And uh, I, I think I, it's I, leading... Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I just think if the leader would keep that in mind, remind learners, let's don't let's don't get too uh, 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 too sidetracked on the seraphim because they they really are part of the background that draw our focus to what's most important, what's central, and that's the Lord on His throne. You know, Isaiah has been given a message to deliver. Um, been told that that folks aren't going to listen to him. And his response, which I would ask too, well, then how long do you want me to keep doing this? And God says, you just keep doing it until pretty much I tell you to stop till judgment's over. Um, how does that relate to us to as believers today? Okay. Yeah. You know, that those verses, uh, I, I have uh, thought about those and thought about those really for years because it just seems so odd for the Lord to say, you know, here, Here's your message, Isaiah. Go to the people and tell them, keep listening, but don't understand. Keep looking, <laughs> but don't perceive. I mean, that's, that's just, uh, on the face of it, that just seems like an odd message to bring. Uh, but I, I think the, the, the understanding of what Isaiah was, uh, the, the charge that he was being given to uh, to. to prophesy and preach to the, to the people was that the Lord was preparing him as he did Jeremiah as well to say, Jeremiah, you need to keep preaching the message that I'm giving you, but be prepared. The people are not going to, uh, overall, they're not going to respond. They're not going to understand it. They're not going to perceive it. They're not going to respond in repentance and faith. And so Isaiah in understanding that, okay, that's, that's going to be uh, the, uh, what, what will happen as he preaches would naturally want, want to know, well, how long until when, what's, when, when can I begin to preach a message of comfort and hope, which by the way, you know, he begins uh, in chapter 40. But at this point, God has something different in mind because there's, there, there's a need that the people of Judah, God's people, have at this point that's only going to come 
through the experience of devastation, defeat, the destruction of the temple uh, in 587, 586, and the exile of the people into, uh, in, into the land of Babylon. And then, and only then, in fact, 70 years into that time of exile is when then uh, Isaiah 40 and beyond is going to come into play where the Lord says, all right, now's the time to comfort my people. David, are there any other key thoughts or ideas you would share from Isaiah 6? Well, uh, there's a part of that last question that was, that was about, you know, how does that relate to us as believers oh, yeah. today? Well, I, I think that, uh, you know, we're in a position as Christians where we've been given a commission to preach a message as well, to share the message of the gospel. And uh, how long? And uh, what about if people don't listen to us? What about if, you know, I, I share my testimony with someone and, and they say, well, that's good for you, but I, I don't want to have anything to do with that. How long are we supposed to keep on sharing the message of the gospel? So I think that what Isaiah was told applies to us today as well. We are to be alert and to be faithful in the commission that the Lord has given us as believers, as Isaiah was expected to be in his day, until the Lord returns. Uh, that's, that's what Paul said, that the, that the ordinance of the Lord's Supper reminds us that uh, it reminds us of the Lord's death until he comes. So that's our message, uh, that the Lord gave his life on the cross, and by uh, turning to him in faith, a person can be saved. And we're to not change that message, not, not keep that message silent, but to keep on making disciples of all nations and people groups, uh, and he'll be with us to the end of the age. David, thank you for being with us today. I appreciate it very much. Uh, from time to time in this podcast, we mention different resources in the Explore the Bible family. We'll mention the Leader Pack, the Adult Commentary, which is what David edits, uh, Quick Source. That's just to name a few. Uh, you can find out more about all the Explore the Bible resources on our website at goexplorethebible.com. Thank you for listening to us this week, and we hope you'll join us next week as we look at session three, which is a study of Isaiah 7, verses 7 through 17.